0: Welcome to the Legends of Tabletop Podcast. I have with me yet again Oscar Rios from Golden Goblin Press. To talk about the new Kickstarter for the Legacy of Arius Lurko. But first, Oscar, how you doing? How, how you been?
1: Good. It's been it's been a week. <laughs> <laughs> um, full time uh, for those working a full time job. I would not suggest launching a Kickstarter on Valentine's Day weekend right after the Super Bowl. Um, could have picked a better time, but I wanted it to end at Ides of March. So it's been a pretty exhausting but amazing week. I refuse to complain about how the Kickstarter is going.
0: Yeah, you you guys rocketed it right out of the gate. It's it's just going gangbusters right now.
1: Yeah, we funded in a little over nine hours. Nice. It's the fastest I'm pretty sure it's the fastest we've ever funded. I think we in the 13 kickstarters we've launched, we've only had I think one or two other day one funding and maybe not even day one right but this was definitely something something pretty amazing.
0: That's cool. So so what was what was the impetus behind um you know reworking this campaign getting it out I mean obviously you want to update to uh you know seventh edition is is that the main main focus
1: yes at initially initially it was we had planned this is a book that we've been working on and planning to do for a while. Um, as soon as Miskatonic River Press shut down, um, I stepped in and I bought the rights back to. I bought the rights to the campaign because um, I wanted it. You know, it's like he was parceling out stuff. Like Stygian Fox got a few things, mm-hmm. and I wanted to make sure that we at least got this. Um, which is fine. We also got the companion to this Lux and Tenebris anyway. So we've had it and we put it up on our website, the old PDF, you know um, so it's been there, um, but we didn't want to print it because it's six edition rules. We want to, if we're going to print it, why don't we just take the little extra effort to convert it to seventh edition. Um, initially we just did a seventh edition conversion PDF to kind of like a cheat sheet. If you wanted to run it, you've got all the mm-hmm. conversions. Yep. And then once you've done that, you've already worked out the 7th edition conversions. It's just going in and editing the text. Sure. And like any glutton for punishment, (laughs) once you start thinking about that, you know, you're like, you know, I I always thought that this part could have been done better. In, I mean, Lisa and I wrote this. I think it was 2011. Mm Mm-hmm. It's twenty twenty-three. So we've been working together, you know, over a decade. And you know, we wanted to like we we could have done this better. Like these characters seem really tacked on and it would not it be interesting if we fix this? And you know, we've evolved culturally. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there are certain terms there are better terms for now. Um, So we wanted to reword some things and maybe call in a sensitivity reader because, you know, it is ancient Rome and you got the whole slavery thing. You've got the whole, you know, prostitution thing and the average Roman couple being a 30 year old man and a 13 year old girl. Um, You know, the world before heterosexuality was a thing. So it's it's kind of a kooky place and maybe a sensitivity reader wants to look at it and smooth things over. So Lisa and I decided instead of just reprinting the old version we would create a 7th edition version of the Legacy of Aris Lurko, And we'd work on it and, it'd begin, and things would get rolling and then something would happen and we'd have to put it on the back burner. And that happened for quite a few years. Um, <laughs> that just, you know, one disaster after another would happen one crisis that we'd have to to deal with which we've always dealt with them um knocking (laughs) knocking on wood um but and then especially with the last two projects that were both late and and both you know COVID really and it's not just my company COVID really screwed up a lot of creative teams a lot of supply chains um we were no different um but we were like, as soon as we are clear, we are doing, we are focusing on the legacy of our rulers. We are not start, you know, we are finishing this. We are not starting anything else. We're not even talking about anything else. Once Britannia is in Chaosium's hands, we are focusing on this and nothing else because. You know, people have pre-ordered it. People pre-ordered it thinking we were going to print, reprint the 6th edition one. Little did they know we were going to surprise them with the 7th edition. And now they're not surprised they're pissed off because they've been waiting for years <laughs> to get the copies of their books. But in the meantime, you know, we, we... So that was the whole thing. I mean, it didn't... We weren't supposed... It wasn't supposed to take this long. It wasn't supposed to be you know, such a big thing. But once you start scratching the surface of editing for seventh edition content, you have to look at the whole content and you have to look at the places where with 10 years of experience, you may have made different choices as an author or an editor or as a team of author and editor like Lisa and I, we work very closely hand in hand. So, yeah, there were a lot of things we wanted to, to mix up and change and improve and streamline and so forth.
0: It, and what was it like to get back to it after you know looking back with the hindsight of, of it know, was years it is it
1: it was and it is cuz we're still we're kind of moving into editing part 5 now um you know like parts 1 and 2 and 3 and now 4 cuz it's expanded we can talk about that a little bit more later um what is it like it was really weird and you realize <laughs> how really personal this work was and how you may not have realized it at the time. Um, So yeah, it was, you know, you're looking at things and you're like, wow, you know, you look back at yourself 10 years ago and you're thinking, you know, I wasn't that great. I'm so much better now. And then I look at him like, wow, that was pretty clever. I'm kind of proud of myself. (laughs) And then there are moments I'm like, wow, that is sloppy and chunky and railroady as crap. And I would never do that today. So it was a mix of, of admiration to my younger self. And, uh, shame <laughs> there, were, there were moments of both and for Lisa as well she was like I can't believe I let these typos through after so many like there was stuff that she was kicking herself with I was stuff I was kicking
0: myself with
1: we um, get into
0: to that after a while right
1: right but but also with 10 years of experience you look at the campaign as a whole and you realize this is where I was at the time and this is where I am now and with that hind you know with that stepping back and seeing the big picture of the campaign um, you really get a snapshot of your life and the way your life was like when I re- originally wrote this my f- I mean it's at the core it's a story of, of fathers and mentors and, and you, know, the, the, you know the legacy that you carry forward from the previous generation so when I wrote this I had just lost Keith Herber as a mentor and my father was suffering from dementia. Mm. So, of course, a story about sons worried about their father's erratic behavior, it was very personal. Right. Now, my son is a grown man living on his own with his own life. And I'm closer to grandchildren than I am children. So, when I wrote this, I could morally sympathize with Casca and Melito, Arius Lurko's sons, because they were dealing with that generation now, as I rewrite it, of course, I feel more. I have a lot more in common with Arius Slurko himself, you know, um, a man at the end of, you know, not that I'm planning to give up the ghost, (laughs) but a guy who's lived his life, who has grown children and who's worried about what he's going to leave behind.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, he's, he's planning to make a stand to make a difference with what time he has left. and, if that's not the goal of every middle aged man, I don't know what is. You know, you, you get to 45, 50, and you look at yourself and you're like, what do I want to accomplish before my clock runs out? So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm looking at it now and it's through a whole new lens of, of life experience, which, right. is, which is kooky.
0: Yeah, that's cool, though. That's cool.
1: It is. It is. It's surreal.
0: Uh, I I didn't realize that this is the only official campaign for for, um, Cthulhu Invictus. Well, it's the
1: only published one.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we have our whole thing.
1: Speaking as someone who's (laughs) ran 11 Britannia adventures during COVID, (laughs) you know, um, at at current, it is the only Cthulhu Invictus campaign. Do we have plans for others? Yes. Um, But getting back to what I said before, we're not even... Discussing plans until this one is out. <laughs> it's like every other deal is every other idea is not on a shelf. It's in a freezer. It's in deep freeze. We're not taking it out to defrost until this is out. <laughs> For my own good, you know, whether I like it or not. We are not we are doing nothing else until this is done.
0: All right, cool. And then it'll be the
1: first time GGP has started fresh that we'll have all projects done. Before, you know, there'll be no overlap anymore, which is something that's been driving us crazy for the last few years.
0: Right, right. Well, we have different teams, though, right? I mean, one project typically doesn't affect another project. One project different...
1: typically doesn't affect another project unless you have staff changes and you have people passing the baton or stepping down. And then you have to, you know, scramble
0: yeah.
1: Yeah. To, to fill slots, which is what's happened a few projects in a row. Um, yeah. Just you know, bad luck, end of the world it's life, stuff. It's life. Yeah. It's life.
0: Yeah. And so, did Miskatonic uh, River Press? Were they the original licensees for Invictus? They were a. They were a licensee
1: of Chaosium. Um, Chaosium held the license, and to produce an Invictus project, you had to um, ask them for permission. Like, when we did Dahara Cosmico at GGP, we asked them for permission to do an Invictus book, and they said, sure, go ahead. Um, Because at that point, they had, um, you know, Cthulhu Invictus was no longer a monograph. It was an established setting with its own mainline setting book. When Chaosium decided they were no longer going to support Cthulhu Invictus, they were going to effectively abandon the line, they offered the license, well, the sub-license to me, um, it's still part of the Call of Cthulhu universe, so technically I'm earning the license under their umbrella of 7th edition Call of Cthulhu. But, yeah, so that changed dramatically from when it first came out to when it is now, to how it's handled now.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. And, and, and what is it about Invictus that, that, you know, calls to you as, as much as it does?
1: Well... I, I love history. Um and the Romans kept great records. They they I mean, sure, how much can we really trust, you know, the 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 victors write history? Um yeah. but the history is there. There's a real snapshot to the culture. And I mean it it there's there's so much that's familiar and there's so much that's just absolutely alien. Um there's so much that's like really interesting. Um, and familiar like professional militaries, highway systems, international trade, um, integration of of you know different cultures, um, a melting pot. You know, people wanting citizenship. Uh, you know, f- most of the wealth being controlled by like one percent, and everybody else just <laughs> trying to get by. Um. So there's that. That's very familiar to modern life. And then there's stuff that's just completely bonkers, like um, magic being a part of the fabric of everyday life. Um, institutionalized slavery. Uh, but slavery the way, when you think of the American South and slavery, this is very, um, Roman slavery was very different. Like most Roman slaves had a realistic possibility of earning their freedom at some point, or being freed upon their master's death, leading to the whole freedman uh freedman phenomenon of social classes and then those freedmen sometimes becoming you know equestrians like rising through the ranks um i think at some point there's an emperor somewhere that two generations ago his grandparents were slaves um so even though there's institutionalized slavery it's quite different from what we're what our understanding is um you know the 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 gender roles are different, the social class roles are, rules are different. Magic is widely accepted. Um, you know uh, it's 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 just a very interesting mix of the very familiar and the very alien and sometimes the the disturbing you know aspects of it um, like you know you know gladiatorial combat like like state-sponsored, murder for mass market entertainment um it's it boggles the mind and we so romanticize it until you step back you know and you stop seeing it through the you know the the lens of of glory in hollywood of how you know brutal and 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 savage that must have really been but then again uh You know, gladiators were like the soccer stars or the NFL stars of their day. You know, they were Mm -hmm. idolized. You know, they had merchandise for Christ's sake. Um, so again, the very, very familiar and the completely disturbing and alien. Um so for me, that's very that's very alluring. It's like you're you're enjoying something you shouldn't. And and it was real. You know, this was not, you know. You can't make up stuff that's as crazy as the stuff that actually happened.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, people are people, got a people, so it, yeah, that doesn't change their right history. Uh, so uh, the the original campaign had uh, four scenarios. You you guys are adding a fifth uh, scenario for well, if you're gonna you. do
1: it, you know, if you're gonna ask <laughs> people to buy a book they already own, you can't just say, "Oh, we fixed the editing," and we polished it up a little bit. We had a sensitivity reader. You got to bring more, you got to put more meat on the table than that. So um, a few years ago, I wrote a scenario a few years ago, probably like six or seven years ago. I wrote a story, uh, a scenario called ghosts of iron mountain where the players go into the mountains of Spain. And one of the threads was that a family owned a spearhead of black steel that was said to be able to shatter stone um, and it was like, they were calling it like the God Slayer. And it was passed down through their family from when their family, from the days of the Republic, when their family was one of the Roman families trying to conquer the Spanish tribes in the mountains. So it becomes like a subplot of, of mm. where did this weapon come from and who made it and what are its powers. But it was only like part of the focus of the, the adventure. So when we were looking at Arius Lurko and thinking of enlarging it by a scenario, um, there was a conversation between Lisa and I where I wrote said, Hey, I can write a new scenario. And she was like, God, please know um, that's just going to slow things down. You have so many great scenarios. Can we just adapt one of the ones that you've written and run many times and just, it, you know, update that. And then I thought, well, what scenarios do I have that would fit into Arius Lurko? And I'm thinking, Well, they're in Greece looking for a a, a death, you know, a death machine, a death ray. Why wouldn't they go to Spain to look for a godslayer sword as another weapon to use in their battle against the cult and, and Ehort, you know, the great old one. So, and it fit perfectly. Um, So we added a thread where in the clue trail from part one in the box of documents, you find out that Arius Lurko sent one of his tr- most trusted companions to track down the God Slayer and try and buy it. And that man has now vanished. Nice. So his family is really upset that you know the you know the crazy lunatic Arius Lurko sent their dad on a wild goose chase and now he's vanished. And can somebody please try and find him and bring him home? So that becomes part three. Um, after the Two chapters in Rome. Instead of going straight to Athens, the party will go to Spain, if they choose. Uh, they may choose not to. Right. Um, they may say, "Hey, we'll pick. You know, we'll 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 get the death ray first and cycle back for the the God Slayer." You know, we're hoping to leave that open and let them go in whatever direction
0: they want. But sure, 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 sure. Should, should label this with all kinds of spoilers. Jeez. <laughs> Well, I'm just
1: spoiling the stuff they're going to be told in the first five minutes of play. Right, right. Uh, They don't, you know, that's basically, this is stuff NPCs are going to tell them. Sure, Um, sure. But yeah, I mean, if, yes, we are spoiling that Arius Largo does not survive long in the campaign. But I don't think anybody who's a Batman fan is wondering where his parents went. (laughs) i i I think they know you know yeah his parents parents aren't coming home from that movie (laughs) (laughs) spoiler alert
0: Uh, now for fulfillment for this one uh is theoretically november it is see here's the thing
1: um since we've been working on it so long I've already got all the art. We've commissioned right. all the new art. It's in-house. It's paid for. The new maps, it's in-house. It's paid for. Um, the whole thing's been updated to 7th edition. Uh, we have four of the five scenarios kind of edited in, to a certain extent. Uh, we are At this point, we are working on nothing else. There is nothing else going on. Um, we have the mailing for Britannia, but Lisa doesn't have anything to do with that. Right. Um, and most of this is going to be her editing and, and her, the two of us working together. We have nothing else to lay out. We have nothing else to edit. We have nothing else to write. <laughs> um, so this is all we're going to be working on. The, the, the November date is to have the PDF released. Okay. The print book may be early 2024, <laughs> but... You know, we are hoping that by November we can have it all wrapped up. And now that we funded, we have, you know, we have that financial boost to smooth out any of those rough edges and get it actually done and, and out the door.
0: Sure, sure. So you're you're not feeling any additional pressure to, you know, make sure that this one's done before the year's up. I mean, just you know, as, as devil's mean, advocate, you mean, right? Like, you mean
1: am I? You mean in a, as opposed to the usual pressure I have of trying to get a project out?
0: Well, I, I mean, as to say, like as a devil's advocate, right? Like, you know, Britannia is is late, right? But, um, you know, th- to to then see, like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna get this one out, like like right away. Like, is there some? I don't want to say like fan service isn't the right thing, but 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 is there some? Um, you know, underlying, like, oh, you know, because this one. You know, was late. We should, you know, see if we can try to get this out earlier. Like, you know, make the fans happier by, you know, getting getting something well, I'll, quicker. I'll, 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 you know, I'll,
1: what I'm saying. I'll 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 explain my theory, my, my whole attitude towards that. Um, I had dinner with Lisa the other night. Uh, we hadn't had dinner since before the pandemic. But when the Kickstarter funded in a day, we decided if there's a day that we're going to celebrate, <laughs> today's the day. Right. So the first time in several years, Lisa and I sat down and had dinner and I told her that I feel like we've found, we have finally figured out the path through the minefield because for the past four years, we've stepped on every goddamn mind in the <laughs> fucking field and blown ourselves up and gotten into every disaster. So I kind of feel like now we know what to do to, to chart a course to give us the best possible chance of achieving our goals. For example, we have stretch goals. We are unlocking them. They're going into something called the Arius Lurco Companion. That is not part of the main book. We are, we are not adding text to the main book because that will delay the overall production time of the main book. The stretch goals are going into a side book that we can work on after and possibly come out two or three months after the main book is released. Um, and what are we putting in the stretch goals? We're putting on stuff that we, can, that we know we can quickly and easily do because it's stuff that we're good at and we've done it before. Like pre-gen investigators. We've done several books of pre-gen investigators. Um, updating uh, a 6th edition scenario to 7th edition. We've done that. Um, and that scenario is written, a practice uh, that's already listed as a stretch goal. Um, there's another scenario that we will be putting up from Lux and into the companion. Um, and that's going to be PDF only. And why is it PDF only? So we don't have to print it and we don't <laughs> have to ship it. And it doesn't increase the postage cost of the main book, which is all things that have gotten us in trouble and have delayed things and have pissed people off. So really for 2023, um, I did a lot of bean counting and soul searching on the way Golden Goblin Press operates. And I think I've really started to learn how to do the business part of it better, how to kind of do the logistics of it, how to do the production of it better. I mean, we were always creative and we we always had good artists and we could always put out a beautiful book, thanks to Mark, but everything else was a learning process. You know, um, now I feel like because of what we've learned through various, you know, trials and tribulations, we're now equipped with the skills to operate at a, a much more efficient level.
0: Right, right. And, and again, some of that's you know some of that's light stuff. You know, you you lose an editor. You got to bring you know Pookie in the to come in now, well after the fact, and mm-hmm. you know go through a book. And it, you know, again, we've we've discussed this on air before. Uh, you know, and it's and it's harder for me to judge, right? Because we're we're friends, you know. But but at the end of the day, like Golden Goblin has never put out a crap product. They've never not delivered a product. So like, okay, yeah, Britannia is late. But also, like I've seen it, it looks amazing. It's oh. gonna be awesome, and I'd rather wait. <laughs> I've a little, been on no pins and needles.
1: I'm ready to hit the distribute <laughs> yeah, yeah, button. Yeah, yeah. I'm just yeah. waiting for Chaosium to get back to me on one or two issues, and then we could boom. I could, I could literally, if they gave me the email tonight, <laughs> that book's getting that Britannia will be released to backers tomorrow. Yeah, um, I'm yeah. just, I'm just gotta wait. I gotta, <laughs> you know,
0: yeah, yeah. There, there's uh, I think people get, and I get it. I mean, I get it, right? You, you you put your money up, you get charged, you're waiting, you're waiting, but but also like, you, the proof is in the pudding. I mean, you know, you you guys have always delivered, you know, quality, you know, just awesome, awesome stuff. So like,
1: yeah, but what, it, people don't understand how much time it does it takes to polish something to that level because you can, it can look great and it can all be there, and then as you take looks at it. Then you're finding the typos, then you're finding the inconsistencies, then you're finding the weird art things that that somehow got, you know, shifted, Um, you know, then the the people you forgot to thank and you've got to go and you've got to edit and you've got to polish because if you're going to put something out, how do you live with yourself knowing, you know, there's some crap rules about chariot combat that we should have really smoothed out before we went to print and now we have to live with it for the rest of our lives. No, you spend a couple of extra days fixing that one little thing. And that all takes time, unfortunately.
0: And, and, and Britannia balloon too, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's a much bigger book than actually
1: anticipated. It's massive. It's like 145 <laughs> pages, 141. It's just massive. And it's like, you love all of it and you really want to cut half of it. And then it gets a third bigger. And it's like, <laughs> um, you know, we had Richard Watts. He said, hey, you know, I'm ethnically Irish, even though I'm Australian. I'd love to write the Ireland chapter. And we're like, oh, my God, yes. Mm-hmm. And he delivered, you know, up like 14 amazing pages. And, you know, damn it, we're going to keep all of it because it's, you know, amazing. Did we want that chapter to be that long? <laughs> no. Is, is it? Is it? yes because it's good stuff and you know it just it does get away from you um eventually you have to just you know slap yourself in the face and say it has to be done you know this is this is we're not doing any more we're not adding anything else we're going to wrap up the last bit of corrections and it's going to be done and this is what it's going to be um so yeah we finally got to that point and then six months later you know it's like because, you know, piecing it together was, was uh, you know, really polishing it up. Because um, when you go to, through multiple editors, you know, it's like contractors, um, you know, they, they take a hole out of the wall and the next contractor comes in and he goes, well, I got to fix the hole. He put it in the wall so I can put my own hole in. <laughs> right. So it, it just slows everything down. But it's, it's as you've, you've seen it, I'm, I'm very proud of the work my team has done, uh, especially Mark. I mean, the book looks, it's amazing.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really good. Yep. Um, so it, will Britannia be available as an add-on to Arius Lurko?
1: Of course. Um, Arius sure. Lurko is going to have a backer kit store that every Cthulhu Invictus product can be added to it. Nice. Um, not our 1920 stuff, not our non Cthulhu Invictus fiction stuff. It's going to be a Cthulhu Invictus store, um, which is also part of the way we're restructuring for the future. Um, Moving forward, Golden Goblin Press is going to be much more heavily focused on supporting the Cthulhu Invictus line. Um, And our products, our projects outside of that are going to be a little bit uh, fewer and far between. (laughs) Um, We were kind of like, oh, you know, every other project will be Invictus or, you know, Invictus will be one third. You know, now it's going to, we're hoping to get, you know, our Invictus support to be like 70% of the work we put out at least.
0: Oh, okay. That's just nice. moving
1: forward in the years to come,
0: right? Right. 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 Okay. And, uh, just uh, you know, not not to talk about like you know bad stuff. Uh we can talk the, about the, bad stuff? <laughs> the 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 two um, recent kickstarters that, that didn't that didn't fund the uh, the vacation one and the Pacific uh, was Pacific uh, an RPG book or was that a fiction book? I don't recall.
1: The Pacific was going to start as an RPG book.
0: That's what I thought. Okay.
1: And and it ran into problems and it ran into um, a lot of problematic things that we just couldn't find a way to to fix. Hmm. Um, And nobody's fault. It's just, you know, I think that uh, society went in another direction about who should be telling what stories. Um, We would have loved to have a scenario, a, a book set in Polynesia written by old Polynesian called Cthulhu authors. But that probably, while possible, was something that our company couldn't do.
0: Right, we just right. don't
1: have the we don't have the resources to cast that wide of a net and attack attract that kind of a talent pool. Um, so we decided to shift the Pacific project, <clears throat> use the cover art which you'd already commissioned and paid for to be the cover of a fiction book, all about uh, you know stuff that happens on vacation. So we rebranded the cover art and we launched a fiction collection, and that Kickstarter failed do
0: you do you think it's it's because it was fiction as opposed to RPGs? Is, is there a difference in, in audience, do you think, right? Because you know, if you're in for the RPG, right? You're probably a reader already anyway. like these are our situation subjects topics that, you know, our people are interested in. Well,
1: I don't, I don't have to have an opinion. I can look at the facts. The facts are we've had two failed kickstarters and they were both fiction projects.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, the facts speak for themselves. Our fiction line is not as well supported by our fan base as our RPG line. And that's something we have to face. Have we done good RPG, uh, good fiction work? Yes. Um, what are the I fiction? Right what, are the, what are the fiction? What are the fiction books that have worked best for us? Um, the cat-themed one, which was attached to an RPG, Um, the two Invictus ones, and the upcoming Tales of Cthulhu Invictus Britannia. These were all stretch goals to existing NPCs. If we do a fiction book that is a tie-in to a successful RPG Kickstarter as a companion, that's viable. Hmm. It's when we try and do straight fiction that we start to run into trouble.
0: Do you you think it's because people just expect RPG material from Golden Goblin, right? I mean, that's what you're known for more, as opposed right. to like a small indie publisher that does horror fiction.
1: Right, I mean, you know, and people are thinking where they want to get their horror fiction from. They're not thinking of Golden Goblin Press. Do yeah. we have horror fiction? Sure, but it's not, you know, it's not what we're known for. It's not what the horror fiction, the, the people who love horror fiction probably aren't even aware that we produce horror <laughs> fiction, which is not my which is not their fault it's you know we are you know a small very small tip of the corner of an industry you know um so yeah unfortunately fiction is going to be something we're probably not going to be doing as much or we're going to be doing it far more carefully
0: true true.
1: Um, and if if we do do if we do continue to do fiction it will be it will be attached to a project an rpg project that's going to support it um, I think we could keep doing Cthulhu Invictus collections um, because we have the Cthulhu Invictus line. But for just straight-up, non-themed, standalone fiction, well, again, two for two. Don't do don't have to have a theory when you have facts.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eh, that's unfortunate. Because the, the fiction books that you have put out that have been successful are excellent. I mean, I... <laughs> Like I said, I have them. So, right. I think part
1: of getting older is to realize that while things are unfortunate, um, sometimes you just have to accept what is and make a better plan. Is it unfortunate? Sure. What are we going to do about it? We're not going to keep doing the same unfortunate things that have the same unfortunate results. Right, We're going right. to try and learn from them. You know, the things that you can't change, you have to adapt to. Right. And, you know, we gave standalone fiction a good shot and, you know, it is what it is. We have to learn what we're good at and do it better
0: Mm -hmm. and And stop
1: trying to stop trying to do the things we're not so good at, which we're not as successful at. (laughs) And that's hard. That's, you know, that only comes with gray hair and experience. (laughs) <laughs> we have got plenty of that, and yeah, we've got that in spades now. <laughs> These are conversations old men have, not young men.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, of course, you know, uh, you know, printing costs, shipping costs are, are ridiculous as, as always and continue to be. Um, is there going to be a print on demand option, perhaps, for this?
1: We have every intention of making um, the legacy of ours, Lurk a print on demand um, through Drive Through RPG or other sources, if we get better deals. Um, And that's going to be the way we're going to go uh, more in the future. Um, We are going to, we're going to start shying away from international shipping and let international customers order their books from us through drive through RPG so they can be printed and shipped locally or more locally to where they are. Um, So we have every intention of having the legacy of Arius Lurko as a drive through, print on demand book um you know as a stretch goal or something we just do after the campaign um i know that there are a lot of uh, european and you know again not even europe there are other you know we we've, we've sent books to china and japan and you know australia and new zealand so you know international fail don't forget canada and south america i love all you guys um <laughs> But we're going to be start being smarter about how we support our fan base outside of the lower 48. And I think print-on-demand is going to be the way that we do that. Uh, shipping is just out of control in mm-hmm. many ways. Out of control price-wise and out of control, meaning it is something that my company does not have control over. And we get complained to a lot yeah. about yeah. it. And it is out of our hands. This is what it is. You know, like, how can you... Like, how can you charge $25 in shipping? And I'm thinking, because you live in Germany and it, with the weight of this book, I know it's going to be 28 and 37 because we've done it many times. Mm-hmm. And in fact, some, we price the shipping knowing we're going to lose money on some of them. And I, again, we're counting beans a lot more carefully these days. <laughs> we and can't, we can't afford to, you know, we just can't afford to keep making mistakes that we've made before. So, print on demand for international is going to be something we're doing more of in the future, especially with this project.
0: Yeah, and hopefully,
1: and hopefully, print on demand versions of the uh, companion as well.
0: Nice. Okay. Yeah, I I mean, I I feel like that's that's really like the the best possible option because the print on demand books that come out um, are good quality, right? I mean, it's it's similar to what you get on on your regular print run. Um, and and obviously so much cheaper, and and it's yeah it's I mean you know being in the U.S. it doesn't affect me, but I but I know like it's just such a huge sticking point. And you spend fifty bucks on a book, and then seventy dollars to ship. It, like yeah. it's just because like you know if uh, I love a physical product, right? Like yeah, okay, sure. If you're in Brazil, you can order the PDF, but like you can't put the PDF on the shelf. You know, it's just not it's not the same thing.
1: Of course, I mean people who play RPG. Are they tend to be romantics? People play Call of Cthulhu. They are definitely romantic and have a thing for books. I mean, spooky books on shelves is such a Call of Cthulhu <laughs> thing. Probably more so than any other fan base. Um, so we yeah. like our physical books.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's good. And you guys are fully funded. You were what, like a hundred and ninety percent funded? Yes, or we are like hundred and ninety
1: percent. Um, as of this afternoon. And with 26 days to go, so <laughs> um, we expect to knock down a few more stretch goals. We're excited about the next few. Uh, we're excited about all of them, actually. I mean, it'd be great if we can, you know, get a whole slew of stretch goals. And and I think we will. I mean, 26 days, and we're already at stretch. You know, heading towards stretch goal five.
0: Right. 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 That's awesome. Twenty five bucks will get you the PDF. Sixty five bucks gets you the book PDF combo with all digital add ons. So, I mean, it, it's on par I'm, with uh, you know an RPG book. I mean, this is this is what it yeah, is. Yeah, this
1: is what it is now. <laughs> um, and if you were smart, if you were smart and you were a big and you were a, a, a dedicated fan, you would have seen that we had a special day one backer price <laughs> that a lot of you took advantage of so you're yeah. not paying 65 you were paying 50 and that's probably why we funded on day 1 <laughs> because it, nobody you know i can fund for i can get the book for 50 if i'm back on the first day or 65 if i'm back tomorrow well duh we wanted a strong first day we were willing to make that um, offer and it was wildly successful to us I'm sleeping a lot better having a funded (laughs) Kickstarter than if I would have been watching it for all week. So yeah, losing that $15 per book. I'm I'm okay with that. I could, I could definitely (laughs) live with that just for my nerves. And it was something, it was something that, you know, it was almost like a secret between the fan base, you know, the Mm -hmm. people who follow us on Facebook and, you know, who, who clicked the link early and went and they saw, oh, well, there's a one day early bird, you know, so it was almost like we wanted to reward the people who are really there for us.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's funny when we were talking about, you know, oh, you know, are you coming on? Sure, when you can have me. And I'm thinking, oh, well, you know, we'll we'll wait the first two weeks. We'll hit the doldrums, you know. We'll, we'll you know, kind of see if we can stir up, you know, some more, uh, some more interest again. And then, like, boom, it was fun. And it's like, all right, well, you come on whenever you want. Then, it doesn't matter now.
1: <laughs> right, right. Well, it always matters. It always matters. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're going to be promoting it a, a great deal. I'm actually leaving for a con in a week. Uh, I'll be. I think I'll be running games this time next week at TotalCon Con um, in uh, Massachusetts, and I've got plenty of you know promotional postcards for the campaign uh, that have been left over from Necronomicon that I'll be distributing. And I'm running, uh, I'm running Call of Cthulhu, I'm running you know Cthulhu Invictus on I think Saturday night, nice. um, fun like, or Sunday morning, um, something about a. Talking half rotting, uh, half rotting deer, and a oh, is, uh,
0: that, is that one of ours?
1: Yep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm running Shadow of the Oak, uh, a little bit expanded from what you guys did, but nice. So it'll be a fun con round.
0: That's cool. Now, have you done a lot of cons since all the COVID stuff? Was Necronomicon the the first thing you were really kind of out at? Or
1: no? Uh, last before Necronomicon, we did. Um, Rising Phoenix, it was their first con. Uh, That was another uh, Massachusetts con. I I love my New England fan base. Those people love Call of Cthulhu. Mm -hmm. And it was their first year, and it was just splendidly run. I mean, a lot of them had worked for part of the Total Con crew, so they knew how to run a con. For a first year, it was amazingly well organized. Um, We vended and the, the booth was profitable. All of the games sold out. Um, the only problem was out of their control because um, it was right after COVID when nobody wanted to come back and do their waitressing, bartending jobs. Um, and the hotel was like, "Huh? These are gamer nerds. They're not going to want to. They're not going to want drink to. They're not going to want booze and nachos after 10 p.m. Their moms are going to come and pick them up." So literally every everybody mobbed the bar in the evening and the wait you know we we tipped our waitress well you know but literally waitress one yeah. um yeah. so and they're going to fix that this year they're like look you got to we are going to swap the bar um so I mean and if that's the only complaint for a first year con that's kudos to that crew they were just amazing um we're actually coming back uh, to uh, Rising Phoenix <laughs> with a team. We're running 12 rounds of Call of Cthulhu um, with four different GMs. So It'll be the first GGP team that we fielded in, in quite a f- since before the pandemic.
0: Wow, that's cool. That's very cool. That, that was the same issue we had at, at Necronomicon uh, <laughs> last year. They know?
1: never think we're going to drink.
0: Well, uh, you, but Brian called. Uh, Murph called the, the place and said, Hey, we're going to bring a shit ton of people. And they were like, yeah, okay, whatever. And then they called again and said, Hey, we're going to bring a bunch of people and they are like, yeah, 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 whatever. And then they we went in us. and there was like, two they,
1: never, people believe they <laughs> never believe us. They never believe us. Uh, we play a game where you're sitting around with friends, bullshitting and talking for four hours. After that, you want some wings. You want some nachos and you want a few beers. Yeah. yeah. Desperately, like <laughs> desperately. Um, and and that's great because we you know we're stimulating the local economy but you know come on we're, we're warning you we're calling ahead
0: <laughs> yeah 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 it, it it worked out it it worked out and after the first night it was fine but yeah that, that first night was a little
1: dicey. <laughs> a little, a little crazy.
0: Dicey. yeah <laughs> oh man so, so, any, yeah, any, i'm okay. doing
1: total doing total con end of this month i'm doing rising phoenix Let me check my Uh, counter. Rising Phoenix is going to be in April. Let me give them a shout out. Um, So, yeah, Rising Phoenix is going to be in April. I think weekend of the 23rd. Um, And we're going to be there uh, running, you know, a ton of stuff. You know, four GMs running. And we're going to do tons of panels. Um, They're doing like small intimate panels where it's going to be like me and five people just shooting the shit about stuff. Oh, Nice. Um, one of them is really, be really interesting. It's the it's care and feeding of a long-term campaign. Hmm. Um, we're doing the, I'm doing the motivation, we're maintaining motivation in writing. Um, and I'm going to have another author with me uh, working that. Um, so yeah, that'll, it should be pretty, it should be a lot of fun.
0: That's cool. I, I always enjoy a panel at a, at a convention. You know, it's good. It's good change of pace and you, know, you get good guests and good topics. It's, you know. <laughs> sometimes it's just a nice break. Sometimes it's, you know, it's great informational stuff, you know, you know, tending and caring for a long-term campaign. Like that's, you know, you you think it's just, uh, yeah, everybody shows up on Friday and we play for a while, but like there's, there's more, more to it than that.
1: I think one of them is going to be just, we're going to trade stories about great moments in, in Call of Cthulhu gaming. And I'm going to like say, I'm going to give like four or five really great stories of, things that have happened in game and then i'm going to challenge the panel the people who've attended give me your great call of cthulhu morning uh, you know story and the one who is the best story i'm giving a free book to. there you go <laughs> so that's the panel we're just gonna we're, gonna we're gonna trade stories and the one that i like best gets a free book <laughs> and i'm thinking this is a really dumb idea and the organizers like this may be the best panel <laughs> you know, this is gonna be great and i'm like okay um, I think it's well, going to be called like, uh, so there I like the penny with the panel was like so there I was dot dot yeah. dot.
0: There you go. Well, it, it, it plays to that. Hey, let me tell you about my character kind of. Right. Thing, right? Who doesn't? Like, we, who we doesn't all love wanna... those
1: stories? Yep. If you're a keeper, you want to tell how you killed people, or those right. crazy players that either that just completely went off the rails, or if you're know how you died, you know that great character death you had, you know, or that clutch moment. Um, we love sharing our stories and we love hearing about them. So
0: how, how, how your character was killed and turned into a fetch that nobody knows about yet. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: but yeah, there'll be, there'll be a lot of, there'll be, I'll be, I'll be telling my story about I'll, I'll, one of the stories I'll be telling is I had a modern game. I don't run a lot of modern games and there were um, children who were, who, who were zombified from tainted Halloween candy. Hmm. So I had three people, I had four people with handguns out and a little zombie kid comes out of underneath, uh, you know, underneath a, be- a bed in the hospital and like hits somebody with defibrillator paddles and shocks them and, he, and then tries to run away. And I said, it's a little boy in a Batman costume. So I have four people just fire multiple <laughs> rounds, like, you know, two and three shots at this little zombie kid running away and nobody hits him. No, literally no. four four, four <laughs> characters with multiple attacks each round who are like delta you know delta green types homeland security nobody hits him and then somebody says, I can't believe none of you hit him and then one of the players go well come on he's batman <laughs> <laughs> nothing nothing top. <laughs> at that point we should have stopped playing it's like yeah, it can yeah. only be downhill from that comment <laughs> But I, like that happened at a con probably 15 years ago, and I'm still that moment still makes me laugh. He that's awesome. He,
0: <laughs> oh, crap. So, is there anything else that's coming up for Golden Goblin that you want to
1: intentionally no?
0: <laughs> not until doing, this is done.
1: We are yeah. We are not even thinking. Is there stuff I want to do? Yes. Am I defrosting any of those ideas? No, um, we we are working on Arius Lurko until Arius Lurko is done, um, and that's it. Do I have yeah. ideas yeah. for after that? Yeah. When are those ideas going to be worth talking about? Twenty twenty four. After yes. this is out, <laughs> um, what do we want to do? Yes, we want to support Cthulhu Invictus with smaller. Um, smaller books pdf maybe just print on demand pdf um i would love to do a book that's a a setting guide for one province province with one scenario in it like you know corsica the guide to corsica with one adventure set in corsica boom um like kind of half setting half adventure and just you know um, support it. You know, give people an adventure, a Cthulhu, Invict- Cthulhu Invictus adventure to play. Something new a couple times a year. Um, so you know that's the direction we want to go. Smaller projects, easier to produce, within our means. Um, you know, maybe even start shying away from Kickstarter. You know, maybe trying to do one small book from a war chest, and just see if we can get a book out the door with pre-orders and not go through the whole, you know, we're going to spend, th- you know, two months on a Kickstarter and then pay pay a lot of fees for shipping and credit card processing when we can just do our best to kind of create a product, put it on the website, you know, run it up the flagpole, see how it sells. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's the direction we want to start going. But specifics not willing to to talk about anything, not willing to think about it, not willing to work on it, not willing to write for it. Um, <laughs> all we want to do is get Britannia out, get it printed, get it mailed to backers and then get Arius Lurco finished, delivered on, you know, approved, delivered and out the door. After that when we're on solid level ground, then we'll dream about where we go from there.
0: Okay. Does it, you yeah, know, so, so feel free to ignore this question then. Uh, is it, so moving forward then, are, are you theoretically looking at like one project a year then? So so as not to have this sort of overlapping scenario where, okay, well, Kickstarter's done on this or, you know, we have some work done on this and we're handing it off to this part of the team and, you know, in six months, maybe we're going to start Hon- this other honest,
1: thing. Honestly, I have to see how things go. Sure, sure. I have to see. What, you know, what Arius Lurko, what the production is going to be? What lessons are we going to learn from the Kickstarter? What lessons are we going to learn from delivery um, and mailing Britannia? I am unwilling to make plans when there are still so many variables bouncing around. Um, after these two projects, ask me that question. I'll have a better idea. But I'm just <laughs> going to focus on these two questions and how... On these two projects, and how these two projects do over the next year will be the deciding factor on exactly how we move forward after this project.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. That's fair. Yeah, like you say, after so many years of of you know uh, just kind of nose to the grindstone being you know, smarter more selective, uh, you know, as far as how to how to do it, right? Because I mean you're again, you're working a full time job too, on top of, of yeah,
1: yeah, a no, full time
0: yeah. job that's called the goblin press. So like it's it's a lot of it's a lot of stuff.
1: Yeah. And my job is pretty much talking for eight hours a day on the computer. So like you know, my hobby, my side hustle is on the computer. My day job is on the computer. <laughs> um so yeah, it's it's a lot. Yeah. yeah, But again, the job is, you know, factoring how finishing this Kickstarter, editing this project, delivering the last one while I have a full time job. I have to see what that what that life looks like, you know, what's manageable and then realistically take that information into planning what we're doing in 2024. Cool. Cool. Which is, is liberating in a way, because, you know, man plans and God's laugh. You're and right, I've right. always been a planner and I've always, I've had, I've, I've heard a lot of laughter from the gods <laughs> over the last few years. So at this point, my plan is very narrow. Deliver mm-hmm. one, finish the other. That's it. We'll see where we are after that. Um, and I'm, I've, there's there's some peace that comes with that. Like, <sighs> this is what we're doing. This is the plan, you know, it's it's stuff that we're good at it's stuff that we know we can do and the stuff that is up in the air we'll figure it out when we get there but we'll be wiser when we get there because we'll have gone through this
0: mm-hmm. yeah absolutely alright cool Well, it's always a pleasure to have you on I, I think you are probably our most interviewed guest <laughs> since we started the podcast
1: I would be <laughs> proud of that if I were you <laughs> I'm sure you could do better uh, <laughs> I wear that as a badge of honor. <laughs> well, I do like hanging out with you guys.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Like I said, you guys are are always doing cool stuff. So, like you know, if we can help in any way to to promote that and you know see that that comes to fruition, then that's oh, uh,
1: so. I uh, mean, just just one other thing I'm going to throw out there for that very narrow and an eager fan base of star frontier fans for label legends of tabletop. I am actually going to be running a star frontiers game at TotalCon next week, next weekend. Um, old school star frontiers, um, which we did, I think a few times. And you said people still ask about it.
0: I, I still get comments every once in a while on those videos. And that's f- like fuck six years, seven <laughs> yeah, years ago. Now, <laughs>
1: <yeah>. <laughs> not bad for a game. No, one's really played in 30 years. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, there's a Star Frontiers community out there, and that was my that was my palate cleanser during the the pandemic. So just to kind of keep myself sane.
0: Uh, are, like, are you still writing for the for the fanzine?
1: I am still writing for the fanzine. Um, you know, I, I enjoy my articles that come out. I'm actually helping them uh, project manage and doing some mild editing for them, but nothing that's going to draw me away from you know GGP. It's just you know, writing for Star Frontiers is like just dopey, you know, dopey fun. Uh, it's not really work. You know, it's just, I guess, the artist equivalent of doodling. <laughs> uh, but it's a, it was such a game and a setting that I had such, have such passion for. Let, let me be honest. Um, so I, I do look forward to, to the Star Frontier stuff. And the community out there is, you know, very, very active and passionate. There's a lot of love. You wouldn't think there would be, but there's a lot of love out there for Star Frontiers. The game sold out instantly. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing how it goes.
0: That's funny. Yeah, that, that wasn't the one that I never played, you know, because I didn't play in the eighties. I didn't start playing until the nineties. So I never crossed my path until you know you, you were talking about it on the show. And we're like, hey, we should like just play, play some stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It's a it's a weird ass game. it it should be fun.
0: Yeah, well, that's cool. That's cool. All right. Well, I, thanks for coming on. It, it's always well, a for having me to, uh, you know, to have you on and, you know, it's bullshit for a while. So this has been fun.
1: Yes. And hopefully when, when all this is funded, we'll finish up and get you guys out of Britannia.
0: Well, at least three of us. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you keep saying that. He's going to be fine.
0: <laughs> I'm sure everything will be fine.
1: <laughs> it's all going to work out the way it was meant to. <laughs>
0: oh uh, shit all right well listen go back to kickstarter buy all the things there's links for golden goblin golden goblin in the show notes for the kickstarter for the website <coughs> the twitter handle all that stuff so check all those things out there are other products available you just got to restock at the store recently right
1: yes and actually we um uh and i'm really happy that i did because i guess all of the activity cthulhu invictus has been selling well and right. we just got we were out for like a week and we just got the restock and literally the day after it started selling again Um we just put in a restock order for Tales of Cthulhu Invictus and further Tales of Cthulhu Invictus because people are interested in the fictions again and uh, pretty soon once the Kickstarter is being mailed we'll be able to start selling physical copies of um, Tales of Cthulhu Invictus Britannia so nice. back to our Beautiful. Our red-headed stepchild fiction line.
0: <laughs> nice. All right. Well, I want to thank everybody for checking it out. And back the things. And we'll catch you next time. Vale. This podcast is a proud member of the Legends of Tabletop broadcast network. For more gaming-related content, please visit www.legendsoftabletop.com.